You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Autism and Audible's podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on today's show. A day after Oregon's 2023 preseason media day has concluded. Almost 24 hours. We're about 18, 17 minutes uh, to the dot when it started with Dan Lanning taking the podium. Um, we're going to discuss some things that we got um, from media day. Uh, we will also dive into some recruiting news that hit during media day with the commitment of four-star quarterback Keely Smith Jr. Um, and we'll get you up to date just kind of on what you can expect from fall football practices uh, during fall camp this season. Um, it's going to be a little bit different in terms of information when when you're going to find out practice reports and uh, post-game press conferences. And I guess let's just start there. That's the, sure. the simple piece here. Um, Oregon will practice on Wednesday for the first time, August 2nd. Uh, and we will not be able to get into any practice until the 8th. So it looks like um, there About will be six, six practices. Six, yeah. yeah, six practices where we just don't get to see anything. Um, we'll speak with coaches. We'll speak with players. After some of these practices, Dan Lanning will speak twice during that six-day period. We'll get Will Stein and Tosh Lupoy, the coordinators, and then the co-coordinators, Junior Adams and Hampton. Um, they will speak following uh, Friday's practice, and then uh, we get Tony Tuioti and some select defensive or some select players on that seventh of August practice on Monday, and then Tuesday, August eighth, is our first day when we get to go into football practice. Now. These practices, these press conferences, they are running later in the day. Um, so if you're hoping to get on the duckterritory.com and at noon for your lunch break, and like we typically have done during spring ball, like we did during football season, to get a practice report uh, that Eric and Jerry produce um, every single practice that we get to go into, it's going to be later. It's going to be evening reading material right before you go to bed. So be on the lookout for that. It's going to be a big change in terms of just your consumption. Stuff will be up on, on DuckTerritory.com throughout the day, but just the immediate stuff that you're used to seeing won't be up until the evening, which is going to be a little bit of an adjustment period, I think, yeah. for all of us. Uh, uh, yeah, Jared, do you want to uh, reenact your reaction to learning this news on Saturday? <laughs> Do you have a notepad nearby? <laughs> no, I don't. I do not have a notepad. Um, but upon hearing this news, what Eric is getting at, I uh, threw my notebook on the ground at SNL because I, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I mean, I don't really care who hears this. I hate the fact that this is during the afternoon. I really yeah. do. Um, just kind of ruins your day. You know, when you get in the, in the early stages of practice in the morning, like that's nice. You go about your business, like Matt said. You get all the stuff up by noon kind of work diligently throughout the afternoon and you have the night or something like that to go do stupid things. Not so much, not so much now. Um, and it looks like this runs like all the way through until Monday, August 20, 21st for right. that afternoon timeline. So thanks, Dan. Tell yep. us summer is over the very first thing. Uh, and now we get, 
we get no fun in the afternoons now. So yeah, we have thanks, to find, Dan. Appreciate it. Really, to, really, really happy about it. We'll have to find fun things to do in the early morning now, I guess, which just limits the scope of fun things you can do. I'll put it that way. Um, uh, and we should note to 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 uh, uh, Jared's point that right around I think the week before maybe the final week of fall and then the week before the opener against Portland state, we will be moving back to morning practices. So it'll kind of be back to business as usual. You'll be seeing those practice reports probably while you're eating breakfast or shortly after that um, with interviews right around lunchtime. But yeah, it is going to take some adjustment. This was, I believe the way it was last fall too. I'd forgotten that. And I don't think any of us really enjoyed it and either, but here we go, and uh, you will be seeing, uh, yeah, Dan Laning interviews uh, tr transcript on Wednesday, probably at five thirty or six ish, I would imagine, because it's a five p.m. start with. Granted, coach, this this takes into account that Dan and everybody are going to show up on time, which, as we all know, happens every single time. Yeah, and it's it's also not just a uh, um, Dan Laning thing; it's every coach yeah. that we've that we've covered at Oregon football. Um, proceeds to always run late with time well, they're, which they're being generous with the players time not with our time because yes. our time doesn't matter as much i, I honestly I, <laughs> I, and I, would, I would actually agree that they should be based on their jobs coaching their players rather than trying to rush out to oh, shmos. but it's definitely not fun no. for us standing outside come and talk to us looking at our, our watches going gosh it's already 5 25 and no one's come out so yeah. uh, we have we'll to get be eight there at five Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah eight yeah. total. I was eight, just going to say, if we have to be there. Oh, eight practices well. total that we get to be in. Uh, <laughs> and it ends Thursday, August 24th, which you should also note from our, pre you know, we're just preparing you right now. Uh, access to the team will be completely cut off the last weekend in August. Um, yeah. Starting Thursday, the 24th through Sunday, the 27th. No media. They will be practicing, uh, but we don't even get to speak with anybody, let alone get into practice. So uh, Dan is tightening the ship here, as it happens every year um, in fall camp, right before the season starts, uh, whether it's Dan Lanning or whether it was Mario Cristobal, um, Willie Taggart, Mark Helfrich. Um, practices just get really tight right before the season starts because they want to make sure everything is Safe and secure from an information standpoint. Um, all right. Let's dive into media day per se. Uh, it was, what, 40 football players? Yeah. Or maybe like 37 because I think there was a couple no-shows. I, uh, yeah. I think it was 39 if you included Bo. Yes. Uh, Dan Lanning spoke. He spoke first for about 25 minutes. We got a bunch of questions with Dan and – there were certainly some bombs that he dropped. Uh, he went right at Colorado and dropped his mic and then basically left, um, which was never to be seen from again, which was pretty funny um, in their departure. Um, I like that. I know there's some people that say he, they don't like seeing that. Um, great. It's going to add more hostility to the game. Like we always talk about coach speak being, you know, boring and, you know, they don't giving us, you know, they don't show their personal side. There's, you know, it, it's it's the same thing over and over again. So I, I liked it. You know, Dan stepped out of his normal coach speak mode and asked, what has Colorado done 
in their time in the Pac-12. And he said, I don't remember them really winning anything. It was just factually true. Like, right. One ten win season, two bowl games in 12 years. That's that's not good. No, nothing he said was inaccurate. It was completely accurate. Uh, it, I, I took your point, Matt. We How often do we go, oh, coach speak, they won't ever say anything. Oh, Dan, like, very much said a thing that he didn't have to say. Like, there's a very diplomatic answer in there of something like, well, it'll be, you know, whatever whatever the normal answer is. I'm going to pretend like I know something along the lines of, oh, yeah, it'll be – They'll still be good teams in this conference. We wish them the best. Some crap like that. Like I don't know. He he certainly spoke from. Uh, I don't know if the heart's the right location to say it stemmed from, but it certainly uh, didn't. Certainly strayed away from that possible line of thinking, which again was. Uh, and it was the last part of the media day for him too. By the way, it was the last part of his press conference. So it was very much a mic drop moment, um, and it was something that we quickly saw make its way to social media. And then even this morning, like it's one of the. ESPN and you pull up the app, it's one of the videos that gets linked in your organ section. Like it's certainly a thing that's, that's making its way. Um, does it, I don't think it bothers me. I don't even think we really need to relitigate how much no. it matters or doesn't matter. Uh, it will certainly add a little extra flair to the Colorado uh, game at Autzen stadium in what about six weeks now, more than that, about two, a little over two months time. It's a little bit, yeah. Um, I, I, I will be the one uh, negative Nancy about this. I just thought it was interesting coming from Dan because technically he also hasn't won anything in the Pac-12 yet because of, as a first-year head coach. Sure. Obviously, Oregon has, um, and I truly think, you know, to, to put my disclaimer on this, I truly think Dan will, will get there and he will win plenty of things in the Pac-12. Well, probably – Probably not the Pac-12, but yeah, who um, knows what it some, is. Some some conference. conference. I think I think Dan will be great. Um, but for now, I just thought that was interesting. It's like uh, this is your second year, but um, I think I think it was the right move because uh, to to just speak freely, kind of off the chest. There, um, I appreciate it from Dan. He gives those zingers every once in a while, which we'll get to another one, I'm sure, eventually here in this podcast. But that's the one thing I took away. It was a good quote, though. It was great for social media and everything like that, but. Um, I'm going to be the negative Nancy for right now. Uh, one of those other zingers, I'm assuming, Jared, is your reference to the, do you have $20 million? I don't have $20 million, but that is the zinger. <laughs> <laughs> if you did, by the way, Jared, you, I have no idea. I wouldn't be working here. I wouldn't be in Eugene. I wouldn't be working I, here. There'd be a whole different story. Yes, it would. For, I think that speaks probably for, for all, all of us. All of us. All of our I listeners, hope. probably. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, the reason we bring this up, uh, Dan Lanning was asked about the $20 million buyout that he has in his new contract. Um, the sign that that means to, to the fan base, to potential pursuers of him, that he's all in on Oregon, that he's super committed to the ducks, uh, that buyout for unfamiliar it's there in the, the contract's entirety. The only way that buyout gets avoided by Dan Lanning or a school to come hire him away as if he lets his contract lapse. And if it ever gets to that point, Oregon will know like definitively, well, if he's not signing a new deal, it probably means he's, he's leaving. We should be prepared for that. Um, it would be malpractice by Rob Mullins and the AD to be uh, shocked that Rob, uh, that Dan Lanning would leave uh, and let his contract lapse and, you know, be surprised by that. Um, they would have a clear idea that's happening well in advance. Um, and he asked, you know, he was challenged. I don't know if challenged the right word, but like Bill Oram of the Oregonian asked 
you know, when, when he gave his comments about how he's committed to Oregon and wants his family to be here, everything is in place for Oregon. Um, it's like previous coaches have said this and, you know, like we've seen previous coaches say the same things and then leave. Uh, and first he asked Bill if he had $20 million and then, you know, went into a spiel of just how committed he is and, you know, his family is ready to settle down. And it felt Maybe I'm just reading too much of this. I don't know, but it felt real. It felt believable. It, it felt, you know, presentable, but I I don't think you have to worry about him leaving. I mean, this is, and I, I really appreciate Bill's question because Oregon fans and even us in the media, uh, like the reality is we've been through two very recent experiences where a coach said he was not leaving and then left. Like it's a, bad analogy probably but th- there is something to like if you've been in a couple relationships where the other party has assured you like no we're good everything's fine and then suddenly they've broken up and they're with somebody else like Oregon fans have been through that now with with Willie Taggart with Mario Cristobal doesn't feel very good and they've heard a lot of the same spiels I think Dan probably more eloquent than either of those two just because in general I think he's a, a more eloquent speaker than either of them were but um it's hard to believe it at face value because it's like one of those you fooled me once, you fooled me twice, you won't fool me a third time. So I think there's a probably a little more skepticism right now than there would be if this if the past five years hadn't included two coaches taking off abruptly to head uh, back to what is quote unquote home. Dan also being from Kansas, not exactly Eugene's backyard. But um, I mean, I, I take it at face value, like this is some great stuff here. I'll read an excerpt of this because there's a ton but as a coach all you ever really want to focus on is being in a place where you can win and you can raise your family i've said since day one i got here it's no secret that i want to be here i'm thrilled about the opportunity that was given to me to be the oregon head coach it means a lot to me i don't i've never taken it for granted i wake up every morning and pinch myself but ultimately my love for this place and what it provides for my family in a place where it can be and have some consistency i've had three kids they've lived in eight states so, I mean, I think there's the the human element there that was sort of notable that he brought that part in and kind of, you know, acknowledged the truth of, hey, he's had three kids who've lived in eight different states already and some sort of stability makes a ton of sense. So that part adds up as a, as a nice addition. And then he also communicated later on there that he has all the resources he needs to be successful here. And, and he used the same line he used. What was that? last year when they kind of did something similar right when auburn was kind of supposedly poking around and Mm -hmm. and he said the grass isn't always greener like i thought a lot of the the language here was great in terms of kind of shooting things down but i will acknowledge like matt like while i think shoot i'm confident he's going to be here for longer than his predecessors were i'll also say the reality is like it's hard to know in college football these days and this one, in part because he's been so forthright and so direct in communicating his love for being here, would hurt more, I think, than the previous two, just because of that fact. So um, that would be years down the line, hopefully, if there is some sort of shift. But um, I will say, like, these are these quotes will be brought back up if Dan ends up taking off in unexpected <laughs> yes. fashion soonish. And it will be a really difficult thing for some people to overcome because I think Dan's popularity in Eugene right now, at least, is is very high. high. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty damn high. Um, I know I agree. I mean, all the the quotes while we were there were were nice. It, it seemed real. It seemed passionate. 
Um, he's talked about this before with bringing up his kids. Now they've lived in a bunch of different states and his wife, Sophia, like they like Eugene, they like the community. Um, also helps when you're getting like $7 million a year, seven yeah. to eight and a half million dollars, um, which is another topic. Maybe we touch on this podcast or next podcast about why they're giving them uh, that, that much money and they might have an inflow of money here. Um, but for Dan, I think the question was well warranted from, from Bill Orem of the Oregonian. Um, they, you guys have asked that to Mario. You guys have asked that to Willie Taggart. Um, I was just a student at Oregon during those times. So I don't remember it. I don't remember, uh, how sincere either of those guys sounded when asked. Um, I was there when, you know, the, the real rumors of Miami started to spark at the end of the 2021 season. Um, not very sincere sounding from my recollection and you guys were at the game. I wasn't. So that was very awkward. Can I say one thing? I just, <laughs> yes. After, in the last couple of days after Dan re-upped, I went and wa- rewatched that press conference. It is just, <laughs> it's tough. I watched it. Hard I watched it from home. Yeah. I watched that from home cause I didn't get paid to go to the game. Right. And, um, yeah, the first three or four questions were all like, hey, Mario, you going to Miami? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> and him basically um, being like, middle fingers to all of you. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a very, very tense press conference. But this one, not so much. You know, yes. it brings the zinger. It gives some emotional attachment with, with the kids and his wife, Sophia, about moving and finally settling and um, being able to see his kid graduate from, like, the same school, like, multiple years in a row, um, which I think everybody would understand. Um, moving that often is, is never fun um, if you have moved that often um it's really never that fun but you know i i watched moneyball last night and there's a scene Ooh. where you know uh billy bean played by brad pitts talking to the the scout and if you've seen the movie you know the scene he's like i've seen you in the home like in the at the kitchen dinner table saying to kids like i know that you're this good and i know and i know and you don't know and we don't know what dan maybe he'll stick around for 15 years or maybe Kirby Smart moves on to Alabama and the Georgia booster will pay $20 million to go have Dan Lanning come coach Georgia one day after Oregon does really well in whatever conference they're in. We don't know. However, I feel pretty good about Dan sticking around, sticking around for a long while. He's uh, he's obviously, like you guys said, his popularity in Eugene has, has really grown. Um, and I think that his, what he's doing with the team, uh, his ability to recruit both, uh, you know, high school kids, transfer portal guys, player development, recruit coaches. Um, I think it's really setting up for for a long haul here where Oregon is a good team across the country for, for years to come. But, you know, we don't know eventually. But for now, I'd, I'd put a put a big confidence piece on him sticking around for plenty of years, probably the duration of this contract at least. Nothing will top Willie Taggart being excited for that Vegas Bowl, baby. Nothing will top that. <laughs> or, or even actually the other one that's also funny, not to bring up too much of this, but like the fact that not only did Mario have that just incredibly uncomfortable interview session with us where I think he was also like abruptly ended because he was like, I don't want to answer this crap anymore. But then we had the we had the bowl press conference that he had where there was no questions allowed to be asked, where he basically just had oh, to address yes. the fact that his team was playing for uh for the Alamo Bowl, the Alamo Bowl, correct. Yeah, where yes. like he was, he was in the airport. He <laughs> was like, he's like, yeah, we're gonna be great anyway. I'm, yeah. Miami sounds fantastic, but go Ducks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Anyway, uh, let's hope now. Hope we don't have to rehash any of that. I'm also gonna say, if you want to retroactively go listen to stuff, I'm sure we had all these great comments about how Mario was never gonna leave after he signed a contract sure. extension over his career. Right. And, but Mario's buyout. The, the the difference here is. It's the buyout. 
Yeah, and yeah, yeah. people are, you know, and we've said it like, yes, $20 million by itself is not a large number um, for anyone in the SEC or in the Big Ten, for maybe some Big 12 schools, even some Pac 12 schools, even a school like Oregon to pay to get somebody. But it's the fact that you got to pay Dan Lanning just, you know, 20 million. You got to pay Oregon 20 million just to get the opportunity to hire Dan Lanning. And then you got to pay probably 70 million. For his new deal, and then you got to buy out the current coach that you're going to fire and replace Dan. Uh, Dan's replacing. You know, it gets right. upwards of a hundred million dollars, and mm-hmm. that doesn't change. Where like Taggart's deal, uh, Mario Cristobal's first deal, Mario Cristobal's second deal, I think Mario Cristobal's third deal, Dan Landing's first deal, all those buyouts they decreased as the years went on into the contract. This doesn't. The buyout stays the same. It's going to cost $100 million essentially to fill your new coaching staff tomorrow if you want to hire Dan Lanning or after year nine when Dan Lanning's maxed out his like extra years of of rollover, you know, contract years plays itself out. It's going to be like upwards of $100 million. And that's the difference, I think. Because we've all, yes, Mm -hmm. Eric, you and I both have been on here with Mario saying, you know, we believe that he's here for the long haul. He's committed, yada, yada, yada. But the buyout didn't wasn't this way. And this is one direction, you know, this is maybe one, you know, one of the biggest moves Mullins has ever made, Rob Mullins, the Oregon AD. And this maybe can segue into the topic that Jared wanted to bring up is they're tying each other together for the longevity. And like Jared brought it up off the air. I mean, Jared, you 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 present the question. Why is Oregon paying this much money? Dan Lanning. Well, yeah, that's, you know, that's the question. Um, you know, I, I did some message board commenting last night with uh, the good fine folks at duckterritory.com to talk about the, the realignment issues that are going on. And we don't have to get into the whole realignment thing, but there is some news on that. And I just kind of wanted to bring up now that we're on the topic. Um, Pete Thamel said that the, the PAC 12 deal that was presented today was on Apple TV. So everybody have a good laugh. Um, but anyways, you know, I went back to Mario Cristobal's last contract. So I think this was after one Pac-12 championship um, and probably the Rose Bowl with, with Justin Herbert uh, in that 2020 oh. season. It was a six-year, $27.5 million deal, which comes out to basically $4.5 million a year. Dan's going to be doubling that in like his fourth or fifth year in this contract. And this is... Again, I, I think Dan's great. I think he's going to be a wonderful coach, and I think he'll do great things down the line. But you know, for now, it's a one one season where he has a lot of good players from Mario's, you know, leftovers, quote unquote. Goes ten and three, wins a wins a game or wins a bowl game, and then gets rewarded with this big old contract with this big old buyout. And I don't know. I just think the when there's smoke, there's fire, and it seems like there might be an influx of um, some cash, some moolah coming Oregon's way from a potential new media deal without the Pac-12. I was um, going to say, but not including this conference, which is only going to pay no. its members like a third of 20? what the big schools are going to get. So yeah, and yeah, so I I think it's um, we can get into realignment or not, but. Um, I think it's I think it's interesting, but like Matt said, I think Rob Mullins and Dan are, are basically tied at the hip now. Um, and with this influx and the ability to to pay Dan potentially, uh, if this influx of money comes through, to pay Dan to pay other people. Um, and I think 
potentially by the end of it, if Dan keeps going on this trajectory and Oregon joins a conference where they're going to be paying 30 to 50 to $60 million a year per school, it's going to look like a bargain for Dan Lanning because I, just the, the way that the, the program is headed, um, it could be a team that's a college football playoff contender every year. Um, and if your coach for a college football playoff contender every year is making seven, eight million dollars uh, with inflation and how much money people are going to be getting soon, it's going to be a good deal. I want to uh, I do want to shelf the big picture realignment talk until we have some more details in the Pac-12 media deal, because it's mostly just rumor mill. And the rumors are not very kind or encouraging for whatever is left of this conference. Um, but I want to wait till we have some more details. I think the one thing I just wanted to say to wrap this was Rob Mullins when he announced or he, I guess, presented the contract extension to the board of trustees. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we talked about this on a previous podcast and we wrote about it. Did note that there's, this is the first part in a like exciting vision, a big vision that they have going forward. And Dan was also asked about this um, yesterday at media day and didn't, he spent a lot of time. It was part of a two part question from James Crepe because of course it was because um, James only <laughs> asks questions that have millions Man. of parts. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, the he only addressed this part kind of briefly, but he did say, um, in terms of what's coming next, there's a lot. So sit back and watch. Doesn't seem like you'd be hyping that up if there's nothing like that sort of like, if it's just smoke and there's nothing directly taking place, that seems like a kind of a misguided comment to be totally honest and i would imagine that there's something coming maybe i'm just being too optimistic but these kind of words maybe. the two of the biggest names in oregon's athletic department kind of suggesting something exciting is coming while we look around the pac-12 landscape and go it's certainly nothing exciting there mm-hmm. leads you to believe maybe there's something exciting coming elsewhere um i was of that belief but i think it could mean anything because sure, it could Mm-hmm. I, I didn't yeah. I didn't believe George Klavkoff would be so confident that a new deal would be signed, that the conferences would be, you know, the, the CEO groups would be happy. The deal gets better and better as they wait further and further. And as Jared talked about it earlier, like you don't say those words without having the confidence it's going to be great. And then Pete Thamel, like Jared said, it's Apple streaming like that. That's the first yeah. deal that got brought to the table. Are you kidding me? So it tells me, like, I, I, I don't know what to believe. For all we know, guys, I don't know if you saw this or not, Brutus, the Buckeye, whatever his name, he posted another video of he did. the Oregon Duck yeah. on Instagram. At this point, if you want to tell me that Puddles, the Duck, and Brutus are laying the, the foundation and the groundwork of the Oregon to the Big Ten, I'll believe it. I, I mean, it's – I. Uh... When we speak in like trivial, hey, sit back and watch. It's going to be great. That could mean anything. For all we know, they're putting a dome on top of Watson Stadium, and there won't be any more concerns about rain, It'll and, never rain. and snow. That would actually be pretty fair for Don, because then it would be just extremely accurate. It really never does rain in Watson Stadium. Um, <laughs> it would make, make his would, job easier. Would make his job. He's kind of dishonest, like, I don't know, 20% of the time now. Um no, and I would also love nothing more for it to be Puddles and Brutus, the ones who are actually uh, dealing in the in the contract negotiations. Um, there's something funny about thinking about them sitting around a desk with some, some with the mascot. Yeah, with the mascots, just trying to lay yeah. it out there. That's I like, um, 
like when Boltman testified for the the San Diego Chargers, like to keep them in San Diego. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly like that, except for wonderful Gordon. picture. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, it, so I don't I don't know what this could mean, but Dan is he seems to be aware of what's coming, or maybe he's just playing into it. I don't know. He's got it. Who knows? He's got to know. All right. Uh, do we want to take a break yeah. and come back and let's share some just quick thoughts from the players that we spoke to, and then we'll dive into the recruiting news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome back to the Ots and Audible's podcast. Um, Media Day recap real quick. Um, I We have a story up on DuckTerritory.com. Um, Jared put it together. It's a collection of just a whole bunch of random stories, nuggets, information that we couldn't write by itself. Um, but it's all good stuff. And throwing them into a notebook. And one of those stories is JPJ ripping off a car door. Um, mm-hmm. I was not here for this. I need details of this. We'll have a video of it on DuckTerritory.com later when I get that video up onto the site. Um, you mean, but this Matt, story, you, mean, you mean, Matt, you mean video of JPJ talking about it, not video of him removing the car yes, door. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, uh, we we're not TMZ here. We don't have the I, I would. I would love, I would way prefer to see him ripping off a car door. Right. That sounds way more interesting. I, I need the backstory here because this is a story. Okay, it's small right now, but we have to pursue this. We 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 need mm-hmm. to know more about this. Yeah, no, I was uh, I was at the media scrum with JPJ when the the door happening happened. Um, Tyson Alger of the I five corridor asked a wonderful question, something I never would have thought of. So shout out to Tyson. Uh, what's the biggest perk of having offensive line strength in real life? Um, which is a great question because really? I kind of always wonder that myself. Um, so he started to talk about how it doesn't help his golf game. He's got a wicked slice. So maybe try to keep your club head closed on impact, Jackson, if you're listening. Um, but he's a good putter. He likes the gentle part. Matt, you're on mute. What are you saying? I was just saying he's a friend of the program. So maybe he is listening. friend of the program. Maybe he is. Um, but he, he likes to putt. It's like the gentle part for him during life, which makes sense because he plays football. And then he just kind of like casually dropped that he like saved or like helped these people in a car accident by pulling a door off, a car door off. Um, eventually there was a follow-up. Um, 
where I, I'll just read the quote. He, uh, he talks about it. He explained it. He goes, I was just going out to the coast and I came up on this car crash. So I pulled off to the side, these two old ladies in a Prius, which by the way, I'm getting my kids a Prius because the car was munched, but they were fine, which was an, you know, a nice little added addition to the quote. Um, he continues and goes, there were these two smaller dudes trying the hardest to get the door open. And I said, all right, I got it. It's fine. And he uh, ended up peeling it off and getting out of there and everyone was fine. So it wasn't like a quick, fluid, um, kind of like Hulkian, Herculean effort yeah. to just take the car door and rip it off and like throw it 50 feet. But he did peel it off well enough where these two old ladies, as he described, the two passengers were uh, able to get out of the car and were unscathed. So uh, it's definitely a story. I certainly did not expect to hear about somebody ripping off a car door. Um at at Oregon Media Day, but uh, I I think we should have like a I don't even know like a, a, the feats of strength from like uh, from Seinfeld to see who can do what on this football team because pulling off a car door is pretty damn impressive. Also, Jackson may be an NIL opportunity with a Prius there if he's so if he's such a fan of of their ability to mm-hmm. save lives. Um, yeah, I. Jared, I'm with you. I know we I know we won't ever get this. I I'd love to see like a world's strongest man event. Let's do that for Oregon football. Let's just find these fun summer things. I know you don't want to have guys hurting their backs. Yeah, that's trying wrong. to trying to like deadlift a station wagon or something like that. But um <laughs> pull, a, <laughs> pull an eighteen wheeler. Yeah. Or, or those like I don't know if you guys ever watched those world's strongest man competitions, those boulders. Yes. They, they pick up those massive boulders and have to like waddle over and put them on the stands. I don't know if we want to. That see was uh, ESPN programming at two AM in the morning. It was the best all the time. ESPN the best. Eight, the old show. I want I want more of that and I want to see I also should say we have a great photo from SNL where um Jackson bear hugs and lifts one of the graduate assistants like completely off his feet and over his head. So, uh, Jackson, strong guy. Um, mm-hmm. can friend I, of the I, program. Also yes. friend of the program, and hopefully his uh, and his parents may be listening. So, uh, we're fans of your kid. He's a he's a good he's a good kid. We had fun with him on the podcast when he was here as well. I, I wanted to try to relay the strength thing into one of my nuggets, which was Junior Angelau or Angilau. I've now I've Angilau, corrected yeah. on the podcast because I'm such in a habit of the old pronunciation, the wrong one. Um, also very strong. Uh, said he could bench press just 500 pounds like that's his max and that was the way he framed it just 500 which i told him that's like twice what my max bench press was at the height of my like bench pressing life um <laughs> he also said he has a goal for the nfl combine this was a james crepia question as you imagine he's very obsessed with the nfl combine of of 60 bench reps which would shatter the current rep record that's just 225 pounds he thinks he, he wants to be able to do it 60 times the current record is 51 um he's did not dis, uh disclose his lower body numbers because he's coming off an acl injury and probably hasn't been doing those recently but i got the sense that those numbers would be very impressive as well so um that was one of my nuggets in the piece too was you know you talk about jpj pulling off car car doors like junior angle out very strong man can lift a lot and we'll see how that that impacts him on the field. But um, yeah, a couple of really strong guys up front there for sure. Uh, Another big item of note. We did write a story on it. Uh, Terrence Ferguson is healthy. We asked Dan Lanning about him. I think it was James that did the the Ferguson one. Um, 
he was very kind of like non-committal, yes or no, like Dan typically is with injuries. But then I asked Ferguson, and like, hey, you missed basically half of spring ball. How are you feeling? Are you good to go? He says he's good. I asked if he's fully cleared. He said, yep, practice on Wednesday will be uh, the first practice in a long time. And, you know, I think Jared has beaten this drum to the point where we've had to get it, re, you know, a new drum because <laughs> he's, he's hit it so many times. Uh, Terrence Ferguson might be the most important guy or a top five important guy on the team just from a health standpoint, because if he goes mm-hmm. down, if he's not available. There's three guys in the room and they have zero production really beyond Patrick Herbert's one or two touchdowns he's got in his career. Casey yeah. Kelly has a little bit of production too, but yeah, you're right. Go ahead, Jared. Yes. Yeah. yeah this is, no, I was just going to say uh, Casey Kelly, Caden Ludwig, who we haven't talked to, but, is a I think he's listed as a freshman on the roster, transferred from Colorado um, yeah. after they had their coaching change and everybody left except for like 10 people. Caden um, was, was not one of them. But yeah, no, it's, it's a thin room. Uh, like Matt said, I've been beating the drum on this for probably five or six months now, maybe even longer. Um, and it's it's really important that Terrence Ferguson is healthy. So it's a good thing to know that he is healthy, or at least it, it sounds like it. I know, Matt, you had a piece on it today. Sounds like he is healthy and he'll be ready to go for fall camp because uh, he's going to be really important, not only in terms of just health wise and the production that they don't have behind him, but um, from an offensive scheme. Uh, you know, this I asked a lot of guys what the offense looked like compared to last year with Kenny Dillingham and said there's a lot of similarities. There's some differences. Um, and if there are a lot of similarities, then it's going to be a lot of 12 or 13 personnel where there's two or three tight ends on the field. Um, at the very minimum, there's probably always going to be one tight end. And if that's Terrence Ferguson, that's a uh, usually a matchup advantage for Oregon um, because of his skill and his size and his speed. Uh, to do that from the tight end position is not really something you find on a day-to-day basis. So uh, extremely important that he's healthy. Um, I talked to both Casey Kelly and Patrick Herbert. Um, I think they're going to be fine backups. Casey Kelly is a bit bigger than I expected, um, which is good, um, it, not in terms of He's he's pretty tall. He's like a like two inches he's tall. Broad, he's broad. Yeah, guy, he's though. he's yeah he's broader than I expected. So I think that really helps. Um, I think he's built very similarly to uh, Patrick Herbert, but just not as tall. So I I think that's a that's an important little piece. But uh, um, we'll see what happens. Can I can I ask you, Jared? Because I actually have an. Uh, what did Popo Amavai have to say about his his health? Because I think you were over there for that, right? Yeah, I was. He said that he was 100 percent healthy. He had a Liz Franck injury um which is never good uh so he says that he's good uh obviously he practiced during the spring and he had some disruption in the spring game so that was always good to see um but yeah he says he's 100 percent, and uh, i think he's going to be a really impactful guy on this defensive line yeah and i'll just provide a junior Ongi lao update god that name is i'm gonna have to take some practice reps on that one um it was an ACL at Texas he suffered. I don't know if we had full, full clarity of exactly the injury. I think we knew it was a knee injury, but I don't know if it was on mm-hmm. the record anywhere. At least I hadn't seen it. Um, he said he is he's good. And, um, you know, I think they might be a little bit cautious with how quickly they throw him out there full go because the injury did take place literally like about a year ago. Um, and it's an ACL, and that's kind of in the range of, of full recovery. But um, we started even to see in the spring and towards the end there him to kind of creep out there, start doing a little bit more. I'd imagine, shoot, by the time we get out there on Tuesday, about a week into their their fall fall camp, he might be he might be a full go guy. Um, can I tell a couple of Ted stories that I thought were good? 
You yeah. can do whatever you like. Oh, yep. thanks, thanks, Jared. Use your own adventure on the podcast today. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. well, I want to I want to tell you about the television series The Bear. Can we talk about that for twenty minutes instead? I'm just kidding. It's a great no. show, though. Check it out. No. Um, Tez Johnson. A uh, couple things that were interesting. A been a big Oregon fan for a very long time, and he told this anecdote, which was really a couple anecdotes that were kind of funny. One was when he was uh, formally adopted by Nix's family. They were diehard Auburn fans, as you'd imagine. Dad went and went there. Son, I don't know if he had already committed there, but certainly that was where he ended up going. He said he walked in in an Oregon sweatshirt, and when Bo played his first game, Auburn versus Oregon back in 19 uh, in Dallas, Tez could have gone to the game, but he chose not to because he told his family he was going to be rooting for Oregon instead. And so he chose to watch that game at home. So I thought that was kind of a funny thing. He said he was going to wear Oregon gear and he was going to be rooting for the Ducks to win. So uh, he has long been a big Oregon fan. He said if he did end up catching a touchdown pass from Bo, uh, he would cry, he thinks, um, in part because it would be a big moment for his family, but also because this has been something he's dreamt about for a long time. And then one smaller thing that was kind of cool um, I don't know if we talked about it or were as familiar, but his nickname, the the Tasmanian Devil, I think he just kind of goes by Tasmania, uh, was given to him in a high school football game by a PA uh, PA announcer. Um, he had a touchdown where he used a spin cycle a couple of times and was spinning off people, and the the PA guy goes, "The touchdown by the Tasmanian Devil," and that has stuck. He has a tattoo of it. I, di- I didn't ask where, but he has a t- tattoo of it somewhere on his body. So. Um, a couple of little small stories to catch you up on Tez, and I think sort of show why he's, I think, a pretty likable young guy. I'm trying to trying to think if I have any more obvious ones here. Oh, I I, I mean, I have a um, an explanation on how to pronounce Connor Soli's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not Sowell or Sewell or whatever we all were pronouncing for the last what is it august seven months <laughs> half a year um, yeah like the last half a year so it's soul e um i actually had a one-on-one interview with connor solely like nobody else was at his table so i just talked to him for 10 or 11 minutes he's a great kid i for you guys we will get him often during the season uh, I, if i guarantee it he's yeah he's very well spoken gives great answers um so we're gonna get him a lot for those listening you guys don't care but for for us on the podcast, <laughs> we care who we're gonna get. Um, I, and a couple other things from him. Uh, he's gonna be playing just inside linebacker this year. He kind of flipped from hybrid safety to linebacker at Arizona State. No more. Uh, booked up to 227 pounds from 210. Um, so that's a significant weight gain, similar to what uh, Jamal Hill and Jeffrey Bossa have done in the offseason. So everybody's yep. getting bigger. Um, he's roommates with Jordan Birch, fun fact. Um, and those two guys as a cheat meal, like to go to crumble cookie. Oh, so, who does not a crumble cookie? Um, you might see Jordan Birch and Connor Soley there. Uh, and the last one I had was, oh, this is what he said about Devin Jackson, who I'm again, the leader of the fan club. Uh, he said, quote, I don't think I've ever seen in my entire life. Somebody that big move that fast. That was my first impression. Coming here and seeing him outrun defensive backs, it's just kind of amazing, end quote. So, I, I, Well, it's it's interesting because – so, and I think this comes up most years of, like, who's the fastest guy on the team? And the yeah. obvious answer is Roderick Pleasant, right, because he's run, mm-hmm. like, 10.09 yeah. in the Open 100, like, three months ago. But I didn't think it was – and that was the pick from, like, I sat and – I watched Tyson Alger, who 
fan of the program, big fan of the questions he asked. He asked that a dozen times in a dozen different iterations that were all equally as entertaining. But uh, it was interesting because I thought Taishim did say he was like, Taishim Johnson, the, the, the transfer safety did say, like he thinks it's Roderick Pleasant, but he wasn't willing to, to say that because he hasn't seen Devin Jackson race Roderick Pleasant yet. He said they did a, this summer, they did a team or some sort of a team race and Pleasant won that pretty easily, but Devin Jackson wasn't there. So hopefully there's a race coming up here. We can maybe find out, but I, I would put my money on on Rod based on his, his I would, career. Yeah, he's probably but the favorite in the clubhouse. He ran 10.09. I think Devin's fastest is like 10.5. So, I mean, these guys are both blazing. But to your point, Jared, one guy is like Big 45 boy. pounds bigger than the other. So it's a bit yeah. of a discrepancy. I'd like to know some other players' perspectives here. But Brandon Dorless was asked who's the most athletic, athletic player he's ever faced. Mm. And he gave off Penesul, and then he said Nozel then showed up. He also called Justin Flo a freak, um, who's no longer here. But then he said, current guy on the team, um, Iapani Lalu. I can't pronounce that last name very well. Just call him um, Poncho. Poncho. Poncho is his nickname. Yes. Uh, it, we don't have official heights and weights yet for Poncho. Um, on GoDux, they haven't listed that. But on 24-7 Sports, he's a six foot two, 355-pound interior offensive lineman. Um, not the player... I was expecting <laughs> right. um, Terrence considering uh, Terrence Ferguson, like confirmed that Kenyon Sadiq, who was one of the best athletes in the class that Poncho came from um, is also on the team. And Ferguson was uh, very high on Kenyon Sadiq's potential for the ducks, but Poncho apparently is a freak. And mm -hmm. he said he can, he didn't like get into too much crazy detail, but it sounds like you know the the viral videos of Colt Lyerla jumping out of the pool. Yeah, I do. And land landing barefoot, flat footed. Um, I don't think Poncho is doing that, but it sounds like uh, Dorla said he he jumps and moves in insane ways in the pool, and then he was asked a follow up question: Are you are you like asking like diving board questions, like evals there or whatever? <laughs> And he goes, well, no, not this, that, but I've just seen him, seen him like move really well in, in the pool, which is crazy. But then on the football field, like his lateral quickness is off the charts. And he said, you can totally tell this guy is going to be really good. Um, it's a name that very few people talk about at a position that very few people talk about as well, but just something maybe to, to keep track of down the road. Knots and Audible's listeners will also remember from Jackson Powers Johnson's podcast interview, Poncho was his pick as best singer on the team. So uh, multi-talented. Man of many traits, yeah. Yes. yes. And I I, uh, I will say just in terms of the physical part, because we obviously we have seen him do very, very little. He was here in spring. He's a very wide person. He, like Just to put it lightly, <laughs> <Yes>. he is 6'2 <laughs> in height and probably close to 6'2 in width. I know that's an exaggeration, obviously. But like he's a... He's a very wide-bodied person. Like he and it's interesting because he and his brother are built quite differently. Because Feope is both like six huge. six, both humongous, but in different ways. Yeah, I to jump on the poncho party. Um, Marcus Harper also had very nice things to say about him. Uh, I asked like who just has kind of or not surprised you, but impressed you over like spring camp and the summer. Um, you said poncho. 
Like he's just been really good and really mobile and able to like adjust what the defense kind of brings as a as a young kid. So uh, it might be a name to, to kind of jot down in the memory notebook and in a year or two, who knows, mm-hmm. a guy who could be pushing for a starting job or you know securing a starting job, but definitely not the name I expected from from Matt's question of like who's the most athletic guy in the team. Um, figured that would be like. Jordan Birch, uh, Tysheem Johnson, someone like that. Where De- just, Devin Jackson's a good pick. Too. Devin Jackson, Roderick Pleasant, like just kind of dudes who are athletes in, in our eyes. But uh, maybe there's like a, a football athlete perspective. I, I had um, I had one more before we go sure. into Akili. I don't know if you guys had others. I just uh, I have we have a story up on DuckTerry.com with all the quotes. But Treshawn Holden did for the first time. Uh, since transferring, by the way, speak publicly as a University of Oregon athlete um, and was asked about the arrest in February and the dismissal. And for those who maybe don't remember, I'm guessing most do, um, he was arrested in, in, in a domestic dispute where a firearm, firearm was involved. He was pretty pretty like quickly dismissed from the team by, by Coach Lanning, I think the same day as the arrest. And then about mm-hmm. 10 days later, reinstated when new information came to light um, and, and all charges were dropped. So you know, it's it's a it's a story that we've you know we hadn't really had an opportunity to speak with them, so it was kind of hard to know how to cover it. And I think just ch- chatting with Trey Sean, like um, you know, he did did say like he feared at least for a couple of days there that like his football playing career could be over, or at least like the kind of career he had envisioned for himself. I mean, he's only played two years in college; he's been fairly successful playing at the biggest and best school in the country for football, Alabama. Um, and then to go to Oregon and then maybe be dismissed abruptly, like within a couple months of arriving, like that would have been probably tough to come back from. But um, he was, he was, I think, confident the truth would set him free, he said. And in this case, it did. And and I think, um, well, you don't know, we have, I don't have a complete understanding of who he is as a person based upon one 10 minute interview. It did seem like he was pretty understanding of what took place, and 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 he acknowledged like this is my first time ever getting trouble at anything in life, like not just arrest, but like just in general. Like he hasn't been someone who's found himself in these situations. So we'll see. I mean, I think that's one of those things where um, there are fans who probably, based upon that information, want to paint him in a certain light, and that's totally understandable given the circumstances. But um, I think also, you know, he's on the football team that that the program agreed and decided he was worth bringing back for for reasons and obviously the charges were dropped. So um, I think a name to watch from a football perspective, but there's some of the human element too, just to kind of, Mm -hmm. kind of mix in there. All right. Do we want to transition to Akili here? Can I give, can I give one more? Do it. Yes. Keon where Hudson named a starting five for basketball. Was a a question we've been asking now for a year. It's your favorite. Uh, One of your favorites. It's my, yeah, it's fun. Um, Him. Keon, Jordan Birch, Brandon Dorless, Terrence Ferguson, and Kyrie Jackson. Um, and then I asked about Jordan Birch afterwards uh, to Keon, and Keon mentioned that he's he's real good. So, which would make sense. He's like six foot six, so and a huge dude. So I, I I'm just going to keep asking the question this year. Eventually, I'll have some real piece about um, everybody's picks as a starting five, but we'll get there. Uh, Terrence Ferguson confirmed he is the best basketball player on the team. He, he said, said that last year. Well, I just say he said that yeah. last year too. He says this a lot. Yes. Yeah. But is he, he going to say he's he not? reminded us of that? Um, and then it also made me remind that reminded me that uh, 
Evan Williams claims he is a harder hitter than Bennett Williams, and that he hopes Bennett Williams sees that. Well, oh, now he now he can hear it. Now we can. Yes, hear now it. we can hear it too. I, I, I should note to the Ferguson best basketball player claim he does pop up on like everyone's team. By yeah, the he way. does. Yeah. So there's something to it. It's not just him like false Kyrie, bravado. Kyrie Jackson has been a multi. Um, yes, yes, like, I don't know multiple pick now too. Even after just getting here in the winter, so maybe he's pretty good. I'll put. I want to put Jackson Powers Johnson on my team if he really does play like Dennis Rodman, like your Nugget suggested, Jared. Mm. That's. Yeah. I like that. I, I need a guy like that in my team. It's not a bad pick. Not a bad. Not pick. bad pick. All right. Uh, while we were doing media day, uh, our good friend, friend of the program, Greg Biggins of Twenty Four Seven Sports, broke the news that uh, Achilles Smith Jr. Yes, yes, you heard that right. Achilles Smith Jr has committed to the Oregon Ducks. He's a four-star quarterback in the 2025 recruiting class. Uh, Oregon's class in 2025 now holds four verbal commitments. They remain number three overall in the country. Um, Look, even while this may have been happening, Dan was saying, like, obviously you can tell that we're recruiting, right? Things are going good from a recruiting standpoint. Why would I leave this? Uh, this is just yet another sign that that's true. Uh, he's the second commit in a, a three-day period for that 2025 class, joining Adrian Wilson. Um, both players were in Eugene for Saturday Night Live. Um, Keely Smith, I don't think any of us are shocked here that no. that he committed to Oregon. Like this was a if not, or this was a win, not if. Yeah, and just a couple things. Like, I've seen him now twice in person at various camps up in the Eugene area. Um, physically, like, he just looks the part. Like, he's legitimately looks I – mean, I believe he's six foot five on in terms of 24-7's listing. I'm talking to his dad. He is six foot six, pushing six seven, um, And he looks the part. Like, long, long limbs. I, I, I've made this comparison not in terms of anything other than just the physical frame, but it, he does have – some resemblance just to Justin Herbert's body type when he was really young coming up. I'm not saying he's the same type of passer. Don't, don't I don't want people to come away being like Eric is saying Achilles Smith Jr. will be the next Justin Herbert. I'm not saying that. I'm just drawing a comparison to the physical traits because they're both legit 6'6", long arms, long legs. Achilles still has a lot of work to go in terms of growing his body. I mean, he's very, very yeah. lean right now. But the arm talent is there, and he had some real wow throws in Eugene um, – uh, at the all 22 camp elite 11 thing that Matt and I went to right after uh, the spring game. And he had some pretty wow throws in front of, I don't know, 150, 100. I'm not sure how many fans were there for Saturday night live over the weekend that I know there were some fans that came away that were posting on the message board that were, were pretty excited with what they'd seen. So there's some of that. And then just, just as a, like a, allow me a second to be a little sentimental. Like it's kind of cool to see, the son of somebody that was such a great player at the university, like Achilles breakout year, I think was 99, which would be when I was like 10 years old. So like from my perspective growing up, like my first memory of a really good Oregon quarterback was Achilles Smith. Like that was the guy that first, I don't know if, if Matt has that same recollection or if it was earlier than that for him, cause you are a couple years older and Jared's probably thinking about Marcus Mariota more than, than he is with, with uh, Akili just based upon age, but like he was a really, really gifted football player. And there's an outcome here where you have a really cool story. If Akili Smith Jr. ends up 
becoming the starter and a really good one at that, where you have father and son who both starred at the same university approximately 20 years apart. Um, and considering, I think, all the things that are on the table and where Oregon fans want things to go, like, again, not way down the line here, but like if he's a quarterback who brings something brand new and something special to this school, i.e. winning a championship of some sort or some sort of national hardware, that will add and make him and his legacy pretty significant given his family story. Again, we're getting way before he just, he's a 2025 kid. He hasn't even started his junior year in high school, but like, it's a really, it's a really interesting story that you don't see pop up where you've got a legacy recruit like this. Yeah. Like I, I think um, from a, from his dad's perspective, like the play that stands out in time for me is when he split the USC defense right down the middle of the field for that long touchdown run. And yep, yep, I'm yep. remembering it right. He was looking at the jumbo screen because at the time that was like a new thing. And he was seeing if USC players were going to catch him as he, yeah. as he was, as he was running. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's crazy. We've reached this point now where players that we've grown up watching are having kids be able to be recruited now potentially play for the university of Oregon. Um, it's only going to become more and more frequent. Um, it adds a layer of excitement. I think a layer of um, intrigue interest into the program, into the team, into the player because of that connection. But I don't think fans should ever consider like, Oh, they're only taking him because he's a le- legacy guy. Like that's not, he's good. And his potential is through the roof. Um, and you look at Oregon's all-time commit list. I mean, I, I messaged this to you guys late last night when we kind of had a chance to settle in from what happened at media day to actually look at this. He's the fourth highest commit in the recruiting air quotes era um, for Oregon at the quarterback position. The only ones higher than him, Ty Thompson, Kellen Clemens, Dennis Dixon. He's Higher mm-hmm. than Austin Novosad last year, higher than Tyler Shuck, Jane Butterfield, Michael Van Buren, who's currently committed uh, to Oregon. Um, and we should know, like, I think we've said this a couple of times, like a lot of Oregon's best players at this position have been the lower ranked guy. Um, they haven't had a lot of success with the high ranked guy yet. But nonetheless, this is how, that's how big of a commitment this is. It's a top five all time commit from a ranking perspective. Yeah, and it, and he looks the part, like Eric was talking about. Um, I only got to see him throw at SNL, um, but he's got a great arm strength. Like Eric said, he has the frame to to build up and to build size. I don't know if we'll ever get to where Justin Herbert yeah. is at, where with like his yeah. frame, because Herbert has like the the probably like the perfect quarterback prototype frame, where he's six yeah. six, long limbed, and uh, you know broad shoulders. Healy Jr. is a little little narrower, and that's not a bad thing, but he's a gifted athlete. He's got great arm strength. Um, he's probably a little wild, probably struggles on intermediate throws, um, but like he's a 2025 kid. If he already looks like this now, um, there's more than enough reason to believe that he will look significantly better over the next two years. Um, this is a kid that we've been talking about on this podcast for probably a year now, maybe even a year and a half. Um, and he's ranked appropriately. He's top uh, top 100 in both the top 247 and the 247 sports composite. Um, like Matt went through with fourth quarterback or fourth highest recruit ever for a quarterback at Oregon. Um, big time addition. Big time addition. And it came 
less than 24 hours after I did my meet the 2025 class. So thanks a lot. Um, it, it, it also happened as we were all being seated basically at media day where it was like, oh, everything's about to was, start. We can't work. Yeah, it was almost. during Bo. Yeah. I was like, oh, I remember like I was waiting to ask my question and I looked down at my computer and it's like, oh, you committed. And I'm like, shoot, darn it. Um, for lack of a better word. There, uh, it's the, the, there is a better word, but you don't have to say it. No, I don't have to. I could. But from a from a, a class impact perspective here, like this class, they're they're not gonna. They're it's over a year until they can sign. So yeah. things are going to change tremendously um, over the next eighteen months or so. Whenever they can sign, it, there will be a lot of twists and also- turns. I was going to say they're also never going to catch Georgia. I don't know if sure. you've seen Georgia's 2025 class. No, Holy I have not. I, I mean, I have not focused on that yet. Well, yeah, I, I don't, I don't blame you. I just did the, you know, I just did the story. Um, but no, it's absurd. They have like, uh, I'm going to go look it up. So I'm not just like totally. Oh, they have three, five stars already. That's, that's, yeah. great. that's great. They're, they're already at 154 <laughs> points. <laughs> like, Oregon's class is third in the country in 2025 with four commits. They're at 94 points. So they're only 60 points behind Georgia. So they're close. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think the point maybe is also like we should acknowledge, um, and I know we're trying to wrap right now or or pretty soon here. Um, Yeah. Getting a quarterback this early can only help, especially one like this, who I think the odds of him decommitting are basically zero. This is, he's spoken his interview with Greg Biggins. He's got full quotes there. If you want to go check it out, just about how he grew up wearing Oregon gear, watching Oregon football. Like this is like, you know, you hear the term dream school thrown around a lot. And certainly we heard that quite a bit yesterday from some of the players who joined recently. Like that's not even probably doing it justice for, for Akili. Like this has been not just a dream, but like, probably the only dream, like the focus of like, hey, I want to go do what my dad did at his school. And so I don't think there's really any chance he, he doesn't commit or sorry, doesn't mm-hmm. sign with Oregon, I should say. And so to have that in place, like I imagine is going to be very beneficial from a recruiting perspective, especially with him living down in Southern California, where a lot of the top recruits are also. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up is that this was just that, it helps when you have a QB committed from a recruiting perspective. It gives you every offensive player. It gives you something to look at and say, well, we've got an elite QB. You're going to be set up because he's you're a receiver and he can get you the ball or you're an elite running back. And you know that, you know, they just can't stop the run and you're, you know, you're going to get phased out of the game. Um, or if you're an offensive line, you know, you're going to, there's going to be a lot of attention on you because you're going to protect the quarterback. Um, this will attract other good players to Oregon no doubt about it. And now just the question becomes really like, do they take another one? And we don't need to have that discussion now, but like that's basically the only fallout that's left with, with 2025 QB recruiting is do they take two? Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's Bear Bachmeyer, the guy who was also up here with Achille on yes. Saturday, but anyway. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Austin Audible's podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. Go to DuckTerritory.com for more coverage of the Oregon Ducks from a team and recruiting perspective. And until the next one, you've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.
It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. Drag queens save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount+. Plus, and for the first time ever... I want you to use your talent for good. For a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.